Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast Season 9, Episode 4. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ray from the All About Sites. And I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. This week we're talking about mobile contracts and how people buy their mobile services. We're considering where the value lies. And how this can shape connectivity in the future. order of business congratulations mr smith on smith 2.0 thank you very much i can safely say that uh, my contribution to the process was minimal at best can we just be clear that ben has had a son yes uh smith <laughs> smith jr was born uh, a few weeks ago now and uh, he's doing well as is his mum so thank you very much and, and how, how are you feeling uh, I am a little bit tired, if I'm completely honest, a little bit tired, but he's, he's still in the quite good fun stage. Have you found, and you found lease of life, you know, do you feel bigger than the sum of both you and your, your have partner? You, have you started recycling more? Uh, no, no, <laughs> yes, no. Excellent. Okay, well, let's move on then. Have you got him a phone yet? Uh, well, I, 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 did, I did test him out with different handsets mm-hmm. and uh, he wasn't very enamoured with the Blackberry. And he does quite like the iPhone 6 Plus. But I, I think that probably is more directly to what is the biggest and shiniest and brightest yes. colour directly right. in front of his face. So what okay. he really wants is a Lumia 1520 in bright green. Well, he hasn't specifically said that to me, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to have test you, it. Have you bought the domain name? No, no. unfortunately, with a surname like Smith, um, domain names are a little bit hard to come by. So I'm, uh, I, I'm still hunting around. Is there a TH? You know, you can't get... No, well, there, Smith.th. Well, there know, is. It, it, it's Thailand. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, Thai domains require that you have a, a sub, you know, a sub domain. Oh, Something.th. However, there is a .mi.th. Right. Which would be myth. So I was, okay. So right, I was yeah, thinking, oh, this will work. But right. unfortunately, that's the Thai military. And I've asked, but they said, no, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't have a vanity domain on the Thai military uh, domain. Okay, okay, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. So, yes, I, I also thought maybe just, I shouldn't maybe try and define his digital identity at this stage. Like, he might want to use a different name or... Right, but like, just at least get his full name.com. Uh, or, it, you know, in the, you stick a one on the he end. He might not want that, yeah. Or some hyphens. Exactly. Well, I, I'll look at that. At least you've got it, right? Because I've, I've got both of mine. Both your boys, yeah. I see. Fair enough. I registered it from the hospital. No, um, so I was I was busy looking after my wife. I think so. Uh, ben is sitting to my right, and then uh, Rafe is sitting opposite us, as though he is being interviewed. So, like, can we both just look toward Rafe and just <laughs> say, um, "Don't anything interesting any, recently? Anything happening with you, Blanford? All good things come to he who waits. Uh, that's my motto. Okay. Uh, and yes, I was out at the weekend doing woodland archaeology surveys with. <laughs> smartphones and tablets so that was the interesting thing i was doing woodland archaeology yes now now mr mcleod's laughing i just want to clarify what it is before i laugh i'm just, I'm just about to say something about rafe and tinder and he's just he's out <laughs> woodland archaeology so this is using lidar which is basically a form of radar to look through the trees and identify what earthworks are there right and go and see places like the high world where there's been iron industry from Roman times through the medieval period. And it's actually, they're using tech, mobile tech, in order to do digital um, surveying to fill in the records, but also to access the data on the move so you can see when you're in the wood, where you are, and what the LIDAR will tell you. And you were doing that for the whole weekend? I, no, I, just for Saturday. I, okay, honestly, right. when you said woodland archaeology, I honestly thought you meant digging holes in forests and going, oh, there used to be trees here. 
Sorry, right, that's great. Let's let's move on then. Any, any news from you, Mr. McLeod? Um, no, I can't comment on who I'm working for. Right. Or with. So that, that, that news is still top, top secret. But you, if you remind us from, from last episode, you are on the move now. Having That's a, right. I, yes, I'm moving. I, I can't say moved because I haven't signed it. Fair enough. Yep. Grand. Well, that's all fascinating. Mm. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I, I can't tell what's Sorry, worse. Sorry, dear listener. Well, but, I, can't, I can't tell what's worse is he's nibs over there with woodland archaeology or you with, yes, important things are happening to me, but I'm not going to tell I you about I can't comment. Them. Sorry. Yes. Uh, well, so, we can't really compete with you, Ben, I'm afraid. No, so. no. No, but then no. again, I, I don't intend to do this again anytime soon. So. Yeah. Woodland archaeology, what is he and, like? You try to upstage the birth of my hard. son. Yeah. Sorry? We're not trying very hard to compete either. I think. No, 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 no. Anyways, Poor. so Mr. McLeod, back to all things mobile. What are we talking about this week? We are talking about contracts, or actually why you shouldn't bother with a contract, a mobile phone contract. And I just need to be quite clear here. There was a time, I think, in the United Kingdom where if you didn't have a, a phone contract, that was almost a, a, a statement upon your reputation. Is that right to say you do you believe that? Are, are you trying to be that? elitist and say that everyone on pay as you go is cheap? Um, not necessarily. It just it was people frowned upon you if you didn't have a contract. I remember being cross when I had problems getting one. It was the it, yeah, I was very annoyed. I could get a mortgage, but not a contract. Yes, yes, I remember There's that. There's an entrepreneur it, with a questionable credit history, yes. actually because of Vodafone, because of a screw up off Vodafone. Yeah, I remember, and also, you know, from from changing contracts fairly frequently, I remember it being a, a more frequent concern than getting credit in other places. Yeah, I, I didn't realise I hadn't paid Vodafone for three months because we were discussing the the, the bill, and I think they'd, they'd made an error, um, and I'd, I'd been challenging it, and they'd, they'd, they'd accepted that. But actually, while we were discussing that, they were busy going, oh, he hasn't paid, he hasn't paid, he hasn't paid. I had the communications from them saying, yeah, don't pay until we we, we sort it out. That was a massive mistake. Anyway, um, if you if you do that with a, a network operator, make sure you just pay them, even if you're um, if you're disputing it, because and just do a token amount. Uh, no, no, because they they were saying I hadn't paid, and the, the system was quite binary. I think he hasn't paid. Tell tell the credit rating right. reference agency hasn't paid. Anyway, um, and this is a this is a Ewan McLeod theory theory that you shouldn't you, you shouldn't now bother with mobile phone contracts. It's not a theory. It's it's that. For a time, while I was experimenting with lots of different phones, I was pay-as-you-go. I just thought it was very um, effective around about 2006, 2007. And in certain parts of the mobile industry, if you, if you admitted to not using, not having a, a contract, uh, people would look at you strangely. And also because a lot of the services that you'd want to test or try out, they were only available to post-paid or, or contract customers. A lot of the operators prioritized all their, their various you know, special or offerings. It was either prioritized or it was done because they didn't know how to do it otherwise. Yeah. So, for example, T-Mobile, when they launched unlimited data, they launched unlimited data, it appeared, because they couldn't meter it. So they went, all right, okay, the contract customers can have it, but pay go can't. So there was a lot of that. So I eventually had to go and get a contract because it allowed me to test a lot of these services that were coming out. So you've got your contract, yes. and now you're saying that contracts are bad and horrible. Not bad and horrible. I think, I think the time is over now. I think that there, there is absolute parity. If anything, it looks to be better value, better um, quality um, uh, of, of service in terms of um, value and, and, and money. Um, pays you go. Okay, well, now that's this, like a rather broad, sweeping statement, Ben. Well, that's what we keep him around for, isn't it? It's uh, true. Now, 
the, right. there's, there's a danger that this could become quite a UK centric episode and for that I suppose we should apologise but I think some of these ideas no, I think do. it is it's globalising to an extent it's sort of different in the States it's quite different it manifests itself yeah. different in different places but just before we go on any further Mr Blanford uh, let's as, as, as you should always do at the beginning of any good structured conversation let's just define our terms because we've used phrases like prepaid postpaid contract mm. uh, quite liberally and I think there's uh, it, it's worth just describing what we mean it is so when we talk about the pay as you go market that's effectively providing some kind of top-up or payment in advance, and then the cost of your calls and your date and whatever, it comes off that. Now, in some cases, there will be kind of bolt-ons where you can have a certain amount of data or a certain number of calls, but generally it's kind of uh, quite literally, as it sounds, you pay as you use it, where on a contract you are signing an agreement, usually for a period of time, that you will have a certain amount of usage per month and you pay at the end of every month including an additional fee for anything that's outside of your kind of u- agreed usage, outside of your bundle. I, I think, Ben, um, we're going to have to also talk about the fact there are different types of contracts. <sighs> and I think uh, yeah. Ewan is probably referring to the traditional contract whereby we're talking about there's a handset subsidy inside that monthly amount. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, talking to, I'm talking about the Nokia days, and I think we're all stuck, particularly in the UK, in the Nokia days, when you would walk into the... The store. This is, co- say, this is code word for hi- hi- recent history, is it? Nokia days. Well, I'm thinking 2006, 7, 8. Yeah. Um, you walk into the, the phone store and you say, like, another 12-month contract, and they say, which phone would you like? And they're all free. Right. right. Uh, and it's 12 months, and that, that was how a lot of adults have been um, exposed to the, the mobile industry, right? And we still have that, that mindset, I think. That's that the way it's done. Contract is the right way to do it. Um, and, you know, you... That's how you get a free phone. But, of course, it's rare now to find that or you have to go for a 24-month contract or at least an 18-month. 18-month is default. Uh, 24 is default for a lot of networks, including three, for example. In, ca- in Canada, I understand that they have 36-month yes. contracts. Yeah, which that's right. I just yeah, I mean, thought that was horrendous. Uh, well, it's horrendous in the context of you, know, you having to use a phone, a single phone for three, three years because that's what a lot of people would do. They just assumed that that was how it worked. And they don't want... They, they were, educated that a phone came free with the contract so you, you wouldn't get, therefore wait you and know. you don't get another new phone until that contract's yes. up yeah. but just as an interesting point about timelines here how long have you been with your current provider uh so i'm currently on three no um but i've got ones with everybody um uh have I, no I, I don't have a vodafone contract anymore um, I've got SIM cards with everybody now, just so I can I can right. check them. But I, yeah, I'm now on three. I've actually been with three about ten years. So but there you go. The, permanently, this is my this the first year of my first con, first non-contract contract. So I've been on a contract with O2 for about ten years. So I suspect an awful lot of people have been on contracts for a long period of time. So it's not about being with the operator. It is very much what we're going to be talking about here. Is that link to the the phone subsidy yeah. that takes place over a two year period and we should, and we'll make it clear later on, there are other types of contracts that oh, are, are perhaps on, less dead. I keep okay. on meeting people. I keep, keep on getting emails from people because Mobile Ends Review, um, despite my best attempts, I keep on getting lots of norm mobs, normal mobile users keep emailing me saying, hi, what should I do? I've got blah. And it's, you know, they're six months into a 24-month contract and they want a new phone. And they, they've gone and, and asked Vodafone and it's going to be six or seven hundred pounds to if they want the new phone and plus the cost of the phone because they want to break the contract because they haven't 
thought ahead and because they've committed because they thought the phone was free or it was free or, or pretty cheap uh, okay well let's let's just let's just list a, let's yeah. be a little bit more specific then okay. so so you're clearly a bit animated about you know contracts now being a bad thing well, so i think it's just a, it's wrong to restrict yourself basically okay. but well let's let's just let's just walk through then so right. what what sort of what sort of things would you say then really are the reasons that people should consider not getting a traditional uh, like 24 month subsidized contract. handset yeah. contracts you know long contract right well f- first of all you're restricting your choice right in that you're going to have to stay to that network stay with that network uh, for that two two year period or whatever period now that's fine if you're not going to move or change anything in your life but if you do move house if you move work it can actually be really really annoying when you move and discover there's no or little cell service in that particular area so that you restrict your choice you don't have a choice happened to me Happened to me. I live in a Vodafone black spot. Right. Literally, you know, two, two, two minutes up the road, either way, fine signal, just we happen to be in a dip. Yeah. Right, so, so you can't change it. When you, you really need to start thinking about these things if you're going to move or do anything. Um, you restrict your choice of device because a lot of devices aren't ranged or they are ranged but in the fullness of time or there are particular penalties you have to pay in terms of extra cost because that, that operator has got that particular type of device. Um, it's very difficult to compare value and actually recognize how you are spending your money, particularly when they say oh, it's £55 a month. Well, yeah, but okay, how much of that is a phone? What, I don't know. It's £55 a month, and that gives you unlimited this, unlimited that, and you get Spotify. And, it's very difficult to parse what that means. And Rafe, just pausing there for a moment, is, is, it now, is it really the case that it's cheaper to go on a contract? Because certainly it used to be the case that you'd, you'd do it because it was cheaper to begin with, because there would be, you know, there'd be no up, no substantial upfront cost often, um, and and then generally there would be savings over over the period of the contract. But I get the sense that things have moved on a pace. Uh, I think they have. If you look at and do the sums of kind of total cost of ownership on these things, it's actually precious little to choose between being on a contract and buying the device outright, or other than you'll be splitting the payments over a period of time. And it's not so much time that there's going to be a big difference there, apart from obviously having that ready access to that amount to begin with. Um, I would say that it is possible to kind of look for the loopholes and look for the deals sometimes and actually get better value off a contract. But that only really happens if you cancel it. And I think the big point is you'll only get that equality of value if you upgrade to the next phone as soon as you're kind of eligible to do so, because otherwise you will then start paying extra now, as we'll discuss in a moment, there are contracts that have sort of started unbundling things. But for a lot of people, they're still on the older legacy contracts and you know, they're still being sold by a lot of the network operators. And so it, it is a problem. And I think it's become more acute since the product lifecycle of smartphones seems to have, have come down. Yeah. Um, and you know, the idea is that you might want the new iPhone every year or certainly you know, people are accustomed every two to years, getting a yeah. phone yeah. sort of every two years or oh. every 18 months. And doesn't always always fit in and actually you know we've seen even some companies like uh, sony have basically been announcing a new flagship every six to eight months um and that's a bit of a problem for people who want you know the latest and greatest i think the biggest one here really is the iphone because that 12 month cycle is not what most people are on in terms of contracts so i want to i want to argue i want to argue with you because contracts is how most people get access to uh div- mobile devices that they otherwise wouldn't afford in, in their own Well, they, own they can rights. afford it. They can put it on a credit card. They can buy it through any number of other ways. Well, but but that's, that's the point, is what you're saying is that they could use some of their other credit 
to buy a mobile device. Yes. And what the operator says is that they will extend a special line of credit to buy this mobile device if you take the contract. So, you know, your credit card might not be especially squeezed this month, but if, if you've got access to a certain amount of credit and you want to use it... For it, something else. It might be, yeah, it might be cheaper to go to buy a mobile device on it and outright from the get-go. But having said, this is true, this is true. But having yeah, said that, yeah, I've, I've just got some numbers here from Roland Researcher, and mm. kind of, I was just about to knock you down and go, no, you see, you're you're wrong. But, but unfortunately, I think you might be right on this particular one. Um, I was just looking at these numbers, uh, Ofcom numbers, uh, breakdown of contracts uh, types in the UK. Yes. So uh, since 2010, it was just uh, it was just in the um, it was in the prepaid. Um, it was slightly more prepaid. Uh, Customers in 2010, 52% prepaid, uh, 48% postpaid. Now, uh, 44% uh, prepaid and 56% postpaid. So there are there are there's a slow climb in the number of in the amount of contract usage. Mm -hmm. But I expected it to be a much bigger split. I expected there to be a huge you know difference between the two, and that rather suggests that you're dot, you're you're bordering around parity. You know, plus or minus. What I used to do was make sure that my contracts... I, I did 12-month ones with Vodafone, and I made sure that I took the contract out when the, the iPhones or whatever target phone was launched, and particularly the iPhones, because every 12 months, every September or October, you're getting a new phone, or a new phone has been launched, and I need to get the new phone. Um, that worked quite nicely, 12 months. But if you happen to take the contract in January or in a different time of the month, the, the year, you, you are screwed because you end up um, either way, either having to live with a handset that's older um, or not being able to change it when you want. However, these are very much first world problems. But if you end up finding yourself paying the operator out of contract, it does my brain when I, I speak to someone who says, I, I'm out of contract, great. Just I'm, I'm looking around to see what phone comes out. Well, so every month you're paying massive profits to the operator. It really annoys me. Because you're still paying that same price as if you were still yeah. subsidising the handset. No, I understand. Rafe, as, as always, I think Mr. McLeod might be taking a, a broad issue, oh, come a, on. A broad issue and, 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 and tarring everybody with the same thing. Just talk to us about um, things like O2 Refresh, which is a specific tariff that's offer, offered in the UK, because that, for me, shows what operators can do when they want to to, to get around this kind of problem. Yeah, O2 Refresh is essentially unbundling the service plan, you know, your yep. minutes, your data, your text, from the cost of the handset. And so you pay off two separate chunks. It will appear on your bill as one, but once you've paid off the cost of the handset, that will then disappear and you'll go down to just paying the service. Now, exactly. O2 does this. I, I understand that about 90% of their new contracts go onto this O2 Refresh, so it's, it's proving pretty popular. T-Mobile have done something similar in the States, part of their Uncare program, and actually... Plenty of other operators do this elsewhere as well because the UK and the US are relatively unusual for having had big subsidy models for a mm -hmm. long time. If you look elsewhere in Europe and particularly in Asia and the Far East, it's much more common to buy the uh, phone up front or separately to the service. Yeah. And even where it is as part of a contract, there is this um, unbundling, if you will. And I, But I would say there's a distinction between that type of contract and the, the ones that you're talking about where it was an effect to kind of lock in the value and to try and lock in the customer. And they also did that by offering free Xboxes and all sorts of mm. other things. Um, now that you see the contracts becoming basically more flexible, what they're really doing is making the value in them 
uh, more fluid. And so you pay off the handset. And if you want to get it earlier, you can absolutely do that. You just have to pay off the rest of that subsidy yeah. ahead of time. And I think that's that's fair enough. Um, you know, yes, it will still be an expensive thing to have to do, but you can actually see much more clearly upfront where it's going to happen. I still think it's a bit of an issue that consumers don't really understand that there's still that it's a free phone. That's all I care about. How many people listening to this have got a contract because they think it's safe? You know, because they, they, because it's the the right thing to do. Or it was the right I, thing. To I don't do. think it's even a question of being safe. I think it's being simple. I, um, okay, you know, they can okay. go in and sign one thing. It's all all done, you and they do start, and they yeah. get a bit of a discount, and they do start to get extras. I mean, I think you see some of the services get bundled, like you know the Spotify, Spotify, for example, or Netflix, or you know some kind of movie or downloadable mm. content, and that's actually become quite attractive to people because it's kind of I can just hide the cost of that subscription in my phone bill and don't really really think about it. Especially as in some cases you'll be able to speak to your retentions department at your network and kind of get really good deals that actually make it very much worthwhile. But it is interesting that I think contracts, they had to kind of start offering those extra services to make them more attractive. And we're seeing similar things with the kind of the family share plans. Um, Vodafone have just announced something along that lines and being able to have multiple SIMs, which I think gets very interesting in the multi-device world. So oh, this has been too late. You know, so I agree with Way you. Yes, the, the contract in its traditional form is dead. But I actually think it's been dead for a while and that's been recognised. And things like O2 Refresh are absolutely the way to go because they provide many of the benefits of the contract, the kind of that not having to pay up front, that line of credit that we've talked about, while not sort of ripping you off. Because the biggest problem I had with contracts was always that you'd get to month 25 and then you'd you know, still be paying effectively yeah, a subsidy still, for yeah. a, a phone that you'd already paid off. And by unbundling things and making it clear, you can not only see the cost more clearly up front, which actually I think most people don't, it's more that you get to that last three months of the contract and you're waiting for the next iPhone or whatever device it is that you want. You're not paying an unwarranted subsidy anymore. Certainly, the the, the things that come with, with contracts seem to have changed. Back in the days when I was taking out the first contracts, Things like insurance and services like that were quite attractive. You know, Orange in the UK uh, pioneered including insurance in, in one of its tari tariffs, and it was a really a attractive option that got lots of people to to switch, particularly those of us who were, were fairly accident-prone, it has to be said. But th these days, things added into tariffs tends to be more about quad play and triple play, doesn't it, which is adding in services like television, fixed-line telephony, internet, ISPs. And my sense is that that's a very different offering because it's trying to lock into a bigger overall package and it and and whether you whether you like that probably depends on whether you'd want those other services or not but they are best suited to being bought on a contract yes and and i think yeah, the interest stop there and go yeah all right the, the interesting thing about triple players it's mainly been about kind of broadband tv mm. and landline and quad play has been something that's much more popular in some of the European markets. Uh, France Telecom was an early pioneer in France, for example. Uh, we're starting to see consolidation of the industry. So, you know, we are seeing each of the big network providers become part of a quad play way in some way or other, Vodafone kind of being left out a bit. But for example, we just had Sky announce that from 2016, they're going to be doing mobiles on the O2 network. And I think you do have to include the MVNOs here. And obviously you've got BT and uh, mm. the EE deal. And so I actually think we're going to see a lot more of the quad play thing and actually it's going to see more people sort of on a contract. But I think, again, that becomes about value because by bundling those services together, 
the companies concerned can make better projections or more accurate predictions about revenue and therefore, in theory at least, pass cost savings to consumers. Because the reason most people go for these triple or quad play packages is A, simplicity, but B, does offer cost savings. And there's a, a genuine aspect to these cost savings because obviously as one of these, you know, you're only having to pay for one set of kind of customer service or management. So in theory, it should be I, a cheaper cost to serve. So I, I think we, we need to move on slightly, but I, I, I think that I think we should talk about what we do as our own, as our own individual decision because actually my I think you're right about a lot of the a lot of the bad news about contracts was all around handset subsidy it was around lack of choice and I mean particularly for me not wanting having that sense of not really wanting to have to choose a new handset when somebody else's you know contract runs out and mm. and and a big part of my expenditure being on the handset and actually not spending a huge amount of money on data or, or calls nowadays relative to, the, relative to the overall cost. But for me, the right thing was actually to stick with contracts, but I've gone onto what's called a rolling SIM-free contract. So I've abandoned the subsidy model and just buy, buy SIM-free. I post-pay because of the certainty and the clarity we talked about. Yes. Also the fact that it tends to offer you know, sort of the higher end tariffs in terms of unlimited this or unlimited that. Frankly, if I had to top up every month or, uh, you know, put money onto the account, I would just flat out forget and get cut off. Um, and, and more importantly as well, um, it, gave, it gives me access to some of the more um, attractive um, roaming deals as well, which are still one of the things that operators seem to be holding back for contract customers over prepay. Okay, I um I was I swapped from Vodafone. I was I was doing sixty or seventy, sometimes eighty, ninety quid a, a month with with Vodafone. Very annoying. It's a fifty five quid contract, but then you have to add that and so on and so on and so on. Um, I then moved that to a um, a page ago three. Um, I think it was twenty five, twenty quid a month for more or less unlimited everything. And then the chap in the shop said, "Look, you might are you sure you want to go completely page ago?" I said, well, you know, I, I just I like the flexibility now. He said, look, we'll give you a five a discount if you commit to twelve months. I thought, yeah. oh, go on then. For clarity, yeah, my, my, mine's a rolling contract that I can stop at any time. The thirty days. It is, yeah. All right. Yeah. And what do you pay for that? Uh, I think I pay. It's the it's three's one contract. So I think I pay yeah. like twenty five pounds a month yeah. for that. But that's just for data and airtime and no handset subsidy. I have to bring. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. yeah. Rafe Blanford? Yeah, I'm on the same uh, rolling SIM-only contract as you accept on O2. Um, I don't have any prospect of moving away from O2 because some of the places I go only have O2 signal. But I have that. Have oh, you got a cell in your estate? All the woodland archaeologists are on O2. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I have actually looked at going to a 12-month contract because, as I said, there's no prospect of me moving off it, and it does potentially offer about a £5 saving, and I can go and get sort of a few other benefits that might make it worthwhile. And I even looked at, you know, do I want to get a, a handset on it because it's quite an attractive way now to, you know, pay the subsidy and get the credit because there isn't this penalty of paying through it through a contract anymore. But I suspect I won't do that because it's too much hassle. I'll just, uh, you know, would I, would I swap over to a 12-month contract? There's a big bit of inertia that just goes no at the moment because it just goes out each month and that's fine. Well, but so I do use quite a few pairs. You go SIM cards for other purposes. And yeah. I will regularly get a, a three SIM card, for example, if I'm going to one of the uh, three like home countries for the, for roaming purposes. So doesn't you, doesn't your argument somewhat fall down given that we all three have taken exactly the same approach, which is to use contracts, albeit with the, with the silly bit of contracts, which is handset subsidies chopped off. You know what? If I'd uh, thought of that earlier, I'd have, I'd have phrased it at the start of the 
<laughs> the argument differently. Basically, I think that's what I meant. Basically, if, if, if only at some stop point, buying phones through your operator. There we go. If only at some point during the editorial <laughs> meeting we'd stopped and gone, hang on a minute. <laughs> right, but we've got there, right? We have. Um, let's talk about the future, though. We have a few moments left mm. to talk about the future because it's all very well banging on about contracts and smartphones and wah, wah, wah. But I want to know about a couple of things. First of up, first of up, first yes. of all, tablets. Yeah, that, now, that is annoying. Now, I think that for me, tablets is where the argument swaps around. I think that because you're consuming a completely sort of homogenous sort of service that can be sort of switched on and off all the time, and I don't, I don't really doesn't really have such a big impact for me about what my number is. I could swap SIM cards in and yeah. out all the time. I think that there's a much better case that if you're going to use a, a tablet with, um, if you can use a tablet with a SIM card in it, uh, then pay as you go is, is, is quite a good way to go. But actually, um, the, the stats tell us that Rafe people don't do even do that. They don't even buy tablets with 3G in. Yeah, it's relatively unusual. I mean, depending on the ones you look at, Things like uh, eBay suggests a kind of a 60-40 ratio. But if you look at some of the web browser statistics, there's a suggestion that as many as 90% of uh, tablets are Wi-Fi only. I think this is a, a bigger issue around tablets not being used as connected on-the-go devices. They're actually being used as connected in-the-home devices where there's the ever-present Wi-Fi signal, and the same would apply yeah. in, in office use. But it does make a really interesting point, I think, about this kind of pay-as-you-use-it usage. And I'd be quite prepared to switch to that model of where I actually paid for everything that I use, you know, data, calling, rather than having these kind of unlimited bundles if I thought I wasn't going to be ripped off with high charges. Well, this is where I think the operators have, again, missed a trick. Because if they said to you, look, um, don't take the mickey, but five quid a month, uh, how many sims do you want for your tablets? Um, and if they did it... Uh, in a nice way, and I can imagine a quad play coming to market saying, look, you got your TV, phone, blah, 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 yeah. and your mobile service with us. If you want to add another data device, and, and it's you and know, up to a gig a month or something, it's just it's, it's £3.50 a month or £5 per sim. So there's, there's something that could be done there to increase the ARPU, right, yeah. for the, the average revenue per customer, um, and, and increase the satisfaction that I would feel. But actually, you just thought, no, I'll just get Wi-Fi only. Uh, and, and typically with tablet usage, there are times I would like to use it out of the home or yeah. on 3G. And I'd be quite prepared to say for today, I'll pay a pound or a pound 50 or whatever it is to have data for that particular day. But I can't really justify forking over 25 quid or whatever it's going to be to get the kind of unlimited data, which means I won't have to think about it. The trouble is you do have to think about it. Mm. And therefore, it just becomes easier to tether from your phone or to use your phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot for those occasions where you do have it. And, yeah, that, and that that's frustration exactly is what, what kills I do right it. now. That kills the marketplace. That makes it very difficult for the customer. When you walk in to Carphone Warehouse and say, look, I'd like to buy a tablet, it's all very, very complicated. Okay, for how long do you want to commit for? Oh, geez, what do you mean? I, just, I thought I always wanted to buy a tablet. And you got, now I've got to think about a price and, plan. And there, there you've hit the nail on the head because I think most people, race, race right, what was it, sort of about 75, 25 split of, of, out of Wi-Fi tablets. And if you look, say you look at the usage, it, it skews much more heavily to that. Um, and and I think about you know the tablets we have in our own family. We have a bit of a mix, but overwhelmingly, for people who aren't me, we buy Wi-Fi tablets mm. because I'm prepared to pay that premium and and have the the contract cost. But what about all this Internet of Things stuff? If something as simple as um, no, that's it, done. But if, if something as simple yeah. as a tablet, where you know you can, do you want to use it on the train? Mm. Yes, then you're going to need a three G chip yeah. or you. Uh, if if you if if it's a very simple decision point with Internet of Things, it's not. If well, it's got movement like a car, 
you probably need a sim well, precisely yeah. but if, if it's that if it's that arduous to buy a sim for something you know like a tablet what about all these many well, many right, devices but these idiot operators they treat it like a um a very serious um commitment you have you, know, you want to add another line oh let me just check if you qualify what? Yeah. Just, I just want to pay you more. Let me just see if you qualify for that. I need to put, I'll go onto a different computer system to see if you can qualify for that line. Because right now... No, just give me the SIM. Right now, nobody's offering um, not just the product in terms of the amount of data and the pricing, mm. but the management whereby you could have, as Rose says, you know, a SIM in your car and a SIM in your... Um, I don't know, a SIM in your fridge or yeah. a SIM in... Uh, goodness knows what you have SIM in. But my observation is that because that's more than... It, because that's more than zero attention, most people just use Wi-Fi. It's ubiquitous in most of the environments that uh, that we that we live in now. Oh. So you know, all your home appliances now use Wi-Fi. Your tablet uses Wi-Fi. Let's face it: if you're using a Wi-Fi tablet and you are out on the go, you're probably tethering it to your smartphone or you're using hotspots or something like that. The only cases I can think of where um, internet, where things are being internet connected now with with SIM cards, is when the original manufacturer manufacturer does a deal with the network, glues it in and prices it in with the service. Like, like a Kindle. Like a Kindle, like some of the connected cars, for example, mm. where you pay a subscription fee to the, oper- the operator, and particularly in the States where you, you know, where you And that's pay. normally an enhanced subscription fee, like you know, eight yeah. times the cost of what you'd expect to pay yeah. it normally. And the issue here, the operators just aren't willing to be flexible on the business model. I mean, there are some exceptions to this, and you know, they deserve to be given credit. But this whole to machine-to-machine piece... Um, has been a real missed opportunity because I think a lot of the things that sit in the public domain won't necessarily reliably operate on Wi-Fi. And I think we've all had experience of dodgy Wi-Fi. And so uh, theoretically, at least, the SIM card provides much more reliable connectivity. You think about the number of wearables that are coming out and other kind of smart connected objects. You know, sticking a SIM in them is the reliable way to do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, if I could just pay a relatively trivial amount to just have it work... One I, pound per month know, per SIM. I mean, yeah. that might work, something simple like that. Uh, operators would be able to do very well out of it. And, you know, they started coming aware of this for things like family plans and sharing mm. data pools across, you know, family members. But you're going to kill it if you try and milk it for too much money. There is a, an opportunity cost here. I think so. I said uh, earlier, I think, it, I think it's but, done. I don't think the market... That's why everything's on Bluetooth. Yeah, so uh, I, I find it hard hard to disagree that it's not going to be Wi-Fi. I mean, I love my 3G Kindle, and I love the fact I don't have to worry about it, but that's the exception rather than the rule. So I think we've concluded that Mr. McLeod is wrong. Come on. There's oh, a, I thought you were going to say right. No, there's a, there's, a place, there's a place for contracts, but it seems to be where we minimise the operator's involvement by, by taking the, the, the least possible contract. Can we do a, a quick bet? What do you think the listeners do? How, what percentage do you well, think? Okay, so first up, then uh, we'd love to get your views. We'd love to get your views on this. This is an incredibly personal thing, but it's probably driven by a whole bunch of factors. So just tell us what you do, and you you know share as much as of what of the why as you want to. But uh, go on to three six one podcast dot com or mm. tweet us at three six one podcast and and let us know how you choose. But my bet, for what it's worth, is that loads and loads of people will be on contracts because they've been on contracts for ages, but will hate it and will probably be thinking, "Oh, I should get around to changing that. I could probably save some money if I." jumped off this contract mm-hmm. or went out and bought my handsets sim-free. But it's just slightly too much hassle and, you know, the next time Maybe you have a free moment. help encourage people exactly. to swap over. Rafe? Yeah, I think uh, you're, you're right there. And Rafe Blanth, I think Ben Smith is correct. There's plenty of room for innovation. The WhatsApp sim has been in the news recently. That's kind of interesting. And so, you know, there are more than one type of contract. But, I mean, 
you're right, it needs to be the minimal contract that we keep saying it, the minimal possible input from the operator, really. Um, And it just becomes about ease and convenience. And just don't believe that operators have that flexibility to deliver in a a multi-device world, especially as the uh, continuum of devices we expect to connect gets more complex. Continuum, word of the week. Yep, word of the week. Ian McLeod, do you want to say I was wrong? No, because I was right. I just phrased it incorrectly. There we go. That's a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and on that bombshell as it were <laughs> so uh, always grateful for your feedback thank you for the warm words for episodes one to three let us know what you use contract wise um, we will uh, have some more thought we'll no doubt come to back to this in future episodes but uh, particularly with the uh, internet of things as well I think there's some more mileage to cover there and probably something about woodland archaeology yeah and, and look forward to Rafe Blanford's special woodland archaeology special that will be coming up between uh, seasons nine and ten so he's uh, going off to uh, live in a hole in the ground now. To start if a podcast research. happens in a forest and no one hears it. There we go. That would be a Blackberry We'll let anyone comment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>